The first reading is taken from the 12th chapter of Daniel. At that time, Michael, the great prince, the protector of your people, shall arise. There shall be a time of anguish such as has never occurred since nations first came into existence. But at that time, your people shall be delivered, everyone who is found written in the book. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Here ends the first reading. We will now read responsively Psalm 16. Protect me, O God, for I take refuge in you. I have said to the Lord, you are my Lord, my good above all other. But those who run after other gods shall have their troubles multiplied. Their libations of blood I will not offer, nor take the names of their gods upon my lips. O Lord, you are my portion and my cup. It is you who uphold my lot. My boundaries enclose a blessed land. Indeed, I have a lovely heritage. I will bless the Lord who gives me counsel. My heart teaches me night after night. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not fall. My heart, therefore, is glad and my spirit rejoices. My body also shall rest in hope. For you will not abandon me to the grave, nor let your holy one see the pit. You will show me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy and in your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The second reading is taken from the 10th chapter of Hebrews. Every priest stands day after day at his service, offering again and again the same sacrifices that can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God and since then has been waiting until his enemies would be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also testifies to us, for after saying, This is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts, and I will write them on their minds. He also adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Therefore, my friends, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us approach with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. 
and let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Here ends the second reading. If you are able, please rise for the reading of the gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the 13th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. As Jesus came out of the temple, one of the disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what large stones and what large buildings. Then Jesus asked him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left here upon another. All will be thrown down. When he was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, tell us, when will this be? And what will be the sign that all these things are about to be accomplished? Then Jesus began to say to them, beware that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name and say, I am he, and they will lead many astray. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is still to come. For a nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. This is but the beginning of the birth pangs. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Congregation may be seated. I'd like to invite the children down for a moment. Super Bowl, is that correct? How'd it go? Did you win? Ah, well, you're runner-up. Even Tom Brady lost a few Super Bowls, so you're probably, yeah, you're probably about to win a couple as well, so. Okay, boys and girls, um, we're going to start. I wanted to play a little game. Do you all know this game called Simon Says? Okay, so let's all play Simon Says. Everyone stand up. Uh, got, got some of you, got some of you, all right. Okay, Simon says, stand up. All right, Simon says, snap your fingers. Okay, Simon says, pat your head. All right, Simon says, rub your tummy. Okay, stop. Oh, uh, I got some of you, got some of you. Okay, all right, Simon says, sit down. Simon says, sit down, sit down. So anyhow, um, that game, Simon Says, it's sort of like follow the leader is another way of, of calling that, giving that a name to that game. And um, so the thing is, is that it's always good when you're following a good leader. But sometimes in life, there are leaders that are not so good. And in this story that we just heard from, from the Gospel of Mark, Jesus told us that we must be very careful about who we follow, that uh, not all leaders are good have to be wise and careful when we make decisions about the people we follow and, and the people we hang out with. 
Because uh, sometimes those people might actually lead us away from God and from God's loving purpose. So it's just a reminder that it's easy to follow people just like it was easy for you to jump up and do all the things I told you to do. But we always make sh must be sure that we're making the, the right choices, okay? So today, we're going to do something special. That's uh, one way we're going to follow Jesus. And that is by getting some food that we're going to place in front of the altar here. Um, today's Harvest Home Sunday, and we have been collecting some canned food items, which is going to go in our food pantry and help out our neighbors who are in need. So by bringing these up here, and then we're going to say a quick prayer for them, that's one way you all can follow Jesus today. So I'm going to invite the rest of the congregation to sing from the green hymnal. I believe it's hymn 407. You may remain seated as we sing, Come, you thankful people, come. And I'm going to have the uh, children here follow me. Simon says, follow Pastor Dave, and let's go grab some canned food. So.
Okay, kiddos, you can have a seat here. Nathan. <laughs> here you go. All right. Here you go, Nathan, right here. Okay, some of you weren't singing. I think you're watching the kids. <laughs> so, okay. All right. Okay, all right. You gotta share, buddy, all right? Oh, thanks, Jen. Okay. So, boys and girls, how do you think our neighbors will feel when they get to enjoy all this delicious food? Happy, yeah. Not hungry. Yeah, great. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So we have a lot of things to be thankful for uh, this time of year. And it's also a blessing that we get to help our neighbors in need. So let's say, let's say a quick prayer together. <laughs> Dear God, I thank you for these children, for their faithfulness, uh, for their love of Jesus. And we pray, Lord, that all the food that they have brought forward, all the food that this congregation has, has donated, uh, will go to help those who are in need. Help us to remember always uh, your mercy and love. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, thanks, boys and girls. You have a seat now. Grace and peace to you in the name of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I know that we're still in football season, uh, the little bit that's left. Uh, we have some Super Bowl champions here, our runners up here. <laughs> but uh, this past week, I couldn't help but remember something that happened in the world of basketball a few years ago. It was the 2013 NBA Finals the Miami Heat versus the San Antonio Spurs, and San Antonio was leading the series three to two. The Spurs had just won at home and went back to Miami for game six. It was a close, exciting game with the lead changing back and forth, but towards the end, it appeared as though Miami was going to lose. With 28 seconds left, the Heat were down by five points. It was not looking good. Many of the Miami fans began to leave before the game was over. Um, in the videos, you can see the fans with their white Miami Heat t-shirts streaming out of the seats and heading towards the exits. But then, much to everyone's surprise, and partly due to a few fumbles by the Spurs, Miami was able to tie the score. They scored five points in the remaining 28 seconds and forced the game into overtime. 
When all the fans who had already left the stadium heard that the game was going into overtime, they tried to get back in and watch the rest of the game, but the doors were locked and the stadium staff wouldn't allow them to re-enter. The staff was not being cruel. It was just the policy of the NBA that once you leave the game, once you leave the stadium, you can't come back in. Miami went on to win the game in overtime, 103 to 100, and the fans who left early missed the conclusion to what was one of the most exciting uh, basketball games of, of recent years. Considering how much those tickets cost, I think it's like several hundred dollars for a playoff ticket, you'd think they would have stayed till the end even if their team was losing, but I guess, I guess apparently not. But I thought about that because I wonder how do people respond when things are not looking good? How do we behave during the tough times, those times when nothing seems to be going right. Going to a basketball game is one thing, but what do we do when the circumstances of our own lives or the collective life of our community changes for the worse? Martin Luther King once said that the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. Those fans who left early from the Miami Heat game in 2013, they weren't bad people. They thought they knew the outcome of the game and they made what seemed like the best choice considering the circumstances. They said to themselves, why bother watching the last 28 seconds, which in the NBA takes like 10 minutes to play anyway, <laughs> but why bother watching the last 28 seconds if we're going to lose when I can get a head start and not be stuck in the parking lot for two hours? It was a perfectly rational line of thinking, but they were wrong. They didn't believe in their team enough to stick it out through the tough times, and they missed something truly remarkable, at least in terms of basketball. I wonder, do we ever do the same things in our own lives? Do we ever make choices based on assumptions which might seem perfectly reasonable but end up being wrong simply because we lack the patience or the vision or the commitment to see the thing through to the end. It is all too easy to be led astray, and it happens to the best of us in good times and in bad times. People are easily led away from the vocations to which they have been called, from the tasks and purposes they set out to achieve, because of the influence of others, or because of hardships and trials along the way, or simply because they gave up. In this morning's gospel story from Mark 13, Jesus and the disciples have just walked out of the glorious, majestic temple in Jerusalem, the first temple built by King Solomon a thousand years before the time of Jesus had been destroyed by the Babylonians when they conquered Judea and carried the Israelites off into captivity. The first temple had been raised to the ground, but when the Israelites came back from Babylon, they rebuilt the temple. And by the time of Jesus, it was by all accounts a magnificent structure, even larger and more beautiful than Solomon's temple. When the disciples marvel at the amazing buildings, Jesus tells them that not one stone will be left upon another that all would be thrown down. And his prediction was very accurate. 
Because in less than 40 years, the Roman army would lay siege to Jerusalem and nearly destroy every part of the temple. And while I have not been there myself, you can travel to Jerusalem this very day, visit the Temple Mount, and see the great stones that were knocked down by the Romans almost 2,000 years ago. It was after this prediction when Jesus warned the disciples, beware that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name and say, I am he, and they will lead many astray. Biblical scholars and church historians tell us that in the generation following the earthly ministry of Christ, there were many false prophets and charismatic preachers who claimed to be messiahs, who claimed that they could lead the Israelites into a new period of prosperity and political independence if only they would take up arms and throw off the shackles of Rome. Many scholars believe that these false messiahs are the people Jesus was referring to when he warned his disciples not to be led astray. What made matters worse was that the first century was a time of great persecution for the young church. Christianity was not recognized as a true religion. And so for the first two centuries, Christians, along with their Jewish neighbors, were harassed and often blamed when things went wrong. Christians were considered to be unpatriotic because they refused to worship the emperor. They were viewed with suspicion for believing in only one God. And as a result of this persecution and harassment, some Christians renounced the faith and left the church. The words of this morning's gospel reading are directed at those Christians who were striving to remain faithful during times of tribulation and persecution. Just hang on, Jesus tells them. Don't be led astray. It might not seem like it right now, but everything will be all right. How does this passage speak to us today? Certainly there are Christians in many parts of the world who do face active, hostile persecution, but we are privileged to live in a land with religious freedom. Americans have the liberty to attend or not attend any kind of worship service they want. And certainly wars and rumors of war have always gone on. But today we are more likely to worry about threats to the environment about whether humanity can live on the earth sustainably into the future, about what type of world in which our children and grandchildren might live. We are more likely to worry about our deeply divided society, a society in which people often seem to seek division and are so quick to find disagreements rather than to build common ground. We are more likely to worry about the health of loved ones because somehow despite all of our modern medical technology and knowledge, we still suffer with illness, disease, and death. Are we still in danger of being led astray by false messiahs? Absolutely. There are many things which seek to move believers away from their trust in God. We might not have so many false prophets and messianic wannabes like they did in the time of Jesus, but there are plenty of charlatans out there of every kind, religious, political, medical, just to name a few. And sadly, many of our neighbors have been led astray by the false messiahs of indifference and unbelief. Like those Miami Heat fans who left 
the game too early. Many have drifted away from their spiritual roots, from the church, presuming that they already know the outcome, that the game has been decided. But for those of us still here, the words that Jesus spoke to the disciples 2,000 years ago still apply to us. Hang on. Everything will be all right. At times when we see so much hatred, destruction, and apathy around us, it is easy to be led astray. It's easy to think to oneself, looks like we lost, might as well leave early. But we already know the outcome of the game. Despite how the scoreboard looks at the moment, through his death and resurrection, Jesus has already conquered the powers of sin and death. And through the Holy Spirit, Jesus is at work right now, here, in this community and across the globe, making all things new by loving and forgiving and nurturing this world that God so carefully created. And unlike the Heat fans who couldn't get back into the game after they had left, we have the opportunity to invite our neighbors back into the church. We have the opportunity to invite people to rediscover the spiritual roots that can give people meaning and purpose in life. We have the privilege of sharing the good news with those who don't know the Lord. Certainly times are tough. There are no doubts about it. But Jesus is telling us today to hang on, to remain faithful, because everything will be all right. And may the peace of God that passes all understanding guard your hearts, minds, and spirits. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.